0: Hello everyone, Professor Squatch here with episode 7 of the Live from the Pokemon Lab podcast here on all of your podcast listening platforms, of course. This week we are going to get into um, a little bit of a short discussion, but I also think it's an interesting one and one that maybe a lot of people don't kind of really think about in the long run or or even in the immediate like, realm of things regarding Pokemon and that's really why is the franchise so i don't know drawing appealing obsessive like why why do people become so obsessive with this franchise and why this franchise alone so we're going to look at a few things about the the draw of pokemon and, and some of some of my thoughts and things about it now i do want to put a disclaimer out there i'm not any kind of psychologist or psychology expert i don't really know why people are drawn to pokemon but i have a lot of uh, ideas and and some reasons that i'd like to pose out there and maybe you know this is a discussion that we can open up with the community with my listeners here is why do you think pokemon is so obsessive Uh, or addicting if you want to put it in that terms or anything like that you know it's (laughs) there's a lot to it so first let's get into my thoughts on what are the draws of Pokemon what's the appeal behind it why do people kind of gravitate towards Pokemon and once they're there they kind of just like stay there or at least they they're there for a while they don't really leave Uh, so I would think this kind of has to go back to you know when the franchise first started I'm in my mid-20s at this point And I was around when the franchise first started. I was very, very young, of course. And really, I didn't get into it until I was in, you know, growing up in an elementary school, kindergarten, first grade was really when I first was introduced to Pokemon through the cards and through the TV show. Um, But really, I think the draw to the franchise is this idea that you can have these, you know, you have these thoughts of like imaginary friends almost. But instead of being friends, they're kind of more like animals. But they kind—it's of, not like you're like enslaving them, even though a lot of people could argue that Pokémon is the, you know, enslaving of animals, in a way. But it's like you imagine your dog had like fire powers. Like your dog could run around and you know shoot flames from its mouth, and those flames didn't actually hurt anybody, um, to the point of death or something like that. You know, it's like you could take your dog and you could battle it against another dog, neither of them would be gravely injured, but you know, you'd have a winner in the end. That, that's kind of how that is. Dog fighting is not cool, people. Like, fighting dogs in real life is definitely an absolute... Just, n- dis- no, just never, never, never support that or anything. But like, as a kid, when you have an imagination, things like that kind of run through your mind. Like, what if you could do something that was completely safe and also had cool effects to it. And I think that's kind of what Pokemon gave to kids back then and still kind of provides even now. Uh, I don't know what some of the other appeals are as a kid. I mean, like the cool designs of the different Pokemon, like having a little fire lizard or a little turtle that can shoot water out of its mouth or like a, a walking flower that has vines that can smack people like, as a kid, you're just like, that's so cool. Like, I wish I had one that followed me around. It's really like having having a pet. And I think for kids, that's really the draw of it. It's like an imaginary friend pet in a way. Um, and, and then, you know, as a kid, you might have had a chance to play the games even. And the games kind of take that one step further. They take you into the world that the Pokemon franchise created. It allows you to battle the other Pokemon with your favorite Pokemon that you catch that you earn essentially that you battle and throw Pokeballs at and that you earn and that you train up and level up and that you have put time and effort into so you kind of have a connection to them as if they were almost real you know not quite as a realistic connection as you might want to see say if you were living in the show like in the in the anime show or whatever um, but you know as a kid it's something that you would want to do that you would desire to have is, is this imaginary pet friend and your oh, it's your companion you know it's your you, you can depend on it for anything and that's kind of what the pokemon games gave you it's like oh you started with your Charmander, that's your starter and of course you're gonna level it up to a charizard and you're gonna go through the entire game and beat the game with just your charizard because that is your best friend in, in the world as a kid right it doesn't matter your real-life friends yeah they're your best friends too but they can't shoot flames out of their mouth and they can't fly across the sky like a dragon you know that's I think part of that appeal as a kid especially back then back in that time back in the late 90s when this was really a new thing there wasn't really too much out there like that and I feel like that's part of the reason why it kind of blew up and they weren't expecting it to blow up obviously but you know almost nobody ever does with this and then I, even as a kid, when you, you have toys and things that you could collect and you, that you play with, but then they came out with the cards and really, I mean, there were other card games um, and well-known ones, but they were more of like catered to a mature, more complex mindset versus, I feel like the Pokemon cards were definitely more designed for a kid should be able to pick up these cards and play with them far easier than these other games and it ties into the games that you play the video games on your game boy and it ties into the show a little bit you know we draw this art we give them attacks like you would see on the show like you would see in the games and then we make rarities we make it so that these cards are harder to find than other cards and that drives that like collection mindset you know back then who knows if parents were really kind of dialed into the kind of gambling that goes behind buying pokemon cards uh, where you buy a pack, and you're not even guaranteed to get a holographic card or a really good card or anything, but it's like, as a kid, that didn't really matter. You just wanted to have better cards than your friends because your friends started it, it brought in that competitive aspect, too. So you have these animal creature things that were pretty much your imaginary friends with cool arts, art styles and abilities and attacks and whatnot. And the show that kind of brought them to life... That you may or may not have watched before school or on Saturdays, and then the card game to really bring it all together to have that that other way to interact with it and, and bringing out that competitiveness of I have better cards than you because everybody could have the Pokemon games and everybody had a Charizard in those games, but not everybody had a holographic Charizard card back then, you know, and and even now it's hard to be to be able to say I have a holographic Charizard card from the original set because it. it they don't even print them anymore. They don't make it anymore. So I think all of that, as a kid in the '90s, is kind of what brings it in. And when you're a kid, I feel like that's really your your mind is fluid as a kid. You're one week you're obsessed with something, and then the next week you're obsessed with something else. And I feel like Pokemon is definitely one of those phases that most kids do go through, um, at least in the U.S. and maybe even especially in places like japan where pokemon is really one of the biggest things there in terms of recognizable marketable um franchises so you know here in the u.s growing up with that 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 was kind of like where my personal early obsession began but i feel like as a kid when your mind is fluid and things kind of change and and move on from it you're like oh you grow up you know there was so many points where growing up it was like oh i'm too old for pokemon i'm too old to buy pokemon cards i'm too old to watch the pokemon show and yeah at some point the show does get a little cheesy and kind of seems more childish but some of those other things don't necessarily have to be marketed directly to kids and while pokemon even now is historically marketed towards kids and young people more so I would say their their largest fan base is probably that of older people at this point or at least people That grew up with it So that kind of pushes out into What drives that nostalgia of pokemon now? Why do people My age their mid-20s even early 30s Why are they kind of getting back into that obsession of pokemon? And I feel like this has been a four to five year resurgence of this this reobsession, if you will this this resurgence of the obsession with the franchise and by that i mean when you get back into it you kind of go full bore for full blown into it in many ways um which is kind of what i have and i don't think everybody does that but there's definitely some aspects to it that bring it all back so in the modern era of pokemon i think the thing that really drove drove things back into this um, you could be obsessed and addicted and kind of really into Pokemon again was with of course the release in 2016 of the Pokemon Go app and I know my first podcast episode I talked about this and about how the game is, in its current state isn't really the greatest it seems like a huge money grab and stuff like that but really that sensation of a release where you could catch the original 151 Pokemon in Pokemon Go, not really all of them because you couldn't ca- catch the legendaries or like Mewtwo or anything like that, but that's that drove this huge resurgence of people. I remember at the time when I got Pokemon Go the app, I was like, well, I don't want to just play Pokemon Go, I want to get some of the games that I missed out on for like the Nintendo 2DS and for the Nintendo DS. So like I went to a GameStop and they're like oh you know we don't have these other Pokemon games in because everybody is coming in and buying them because of Pokemon Go like that kind of resurgence of the fandom and it was like the perfect time because in 2016 most of the kids that were growing up with Pokemon in the late 90s had just entered this smartphone era where all your games and stuff that you kind of play for fun while you're in the bathroom or while you're waiting in line at the dmv or whatever you know the people that were playing pokemon as a kid were doing that with their smartphones so the fact that they created a game kind of at the perfect time of that perfect generational shift of age and to the point where we also have money for things that's kind of like the perfect storm for getting everything back into this was pokemon extremely successful before pokemon go absolutely all their games did pretty well i mean yeah generation four, five, and six games didn't really sell as well as the first three generational games, but that's, I don't know, I don't think that's as big of a deal when you look at it, because there's definitely a time where things cooled down in terms of, you still had a lot of adult fans maybe, but not as many as like, it was geared towards kids still. Pokemon Go really brought that Pokemon fandom back to the people who are now adults that grew up with Pokemon as a kid. And like I said, people all over the world did what I did, which was you play Pokemon Go and then you wanted to immediately go and play the other games that you missed out on because you just wanted that feeling that Pokemon Go release, the biggest thing, the biggest draw it had was the feeling of nostalgia. It wasn't bringing a Pokemon experience to the quote unquote real world where you walk around in the real world and catch Pokemon in the real world. I don't think it was so much as that. As cool as that is, and I think it, maybe that is a big driver, I think it was just the nostalgia of it. When you're an adult and you don't really have time for games, like, I, I'm not going to go out and buy a handheld console because I have a full-time job and I have kids and a family, but you put a game on my phone that I can walk around and play or I can play it while I'm at the store or at the mall or wherever, you know? You get that, like that feeling of you're a kid again like oh you started a pokemon go for the first time and they put right in front of you here's squirtle bulbasaur and charmander choose one and this is like your first pokemon in this game it doesn't necessarily work as you have like this the six pokemon team but it was like the great feeling of when i was a kid i had to make this choice too do i make the same choice now as an adult or has my opinion changed since then or do i just click randomly because i don't know anymore you know, I thought that was pretty cool, but the nostalgia of it is really what brought it in. And that nostalgia feeling is something that eats at everybody. If you look at a lot of what is going on in pop culture over the past five to ten years in general, there has been a whole there's been a whole lot of yes, unique and new things that are coming out, but there's also been a whole lot of remakes of games, of movies, of TV shows that were done in the past that people were big fans of in the 70s 80s 90s whenever there have been sequels made to things that people are fans of from the 70s 80s and 90s prequels or things like that made spin-offs whatever so many different things that were kind of like instead of creating something new let's draw on the previous experience and make it for the modern era it's like here is lion king you watch lion king as a kid in a cartoon form here's lion king the same exact story with a few minor tweaks but then if it was live action because we had the technology now and it's like you go and watch it and you're like i'm watching lion king it's not exactly the same because it's not the same art style or anything but it's the same songs i know the music voices feel very familiar even if they aren't the same the characters are all familiar because I know them it's drawing off that nostalgia it's like picking up Pokemon go or the newest Pokemon games Pokemon sword and shield and look Pokemon sword and shield right away one of the first Pokemon they advertise right away is Charizard and why wouldn't you because Charizard is the Pokemon that everybody knew and loved and had as a kid And yes, of course, there are people who aren't necessarily fans of Charizard, even back in the late 90s and everything, when really the first Surgeons of Pokemon came out, but seeing that Pokemon that you're so familiar with on a modern game, on a Nintendo Switch, that's like, that's the huge draw. It's the nostalgia. And when you're like, when you see the Charizard, it just brings back that flood of memories of playing with Charizard in Pokemon Red version. is i think the huge thing if you are into pokemon now it's not even so much that you actually do enjoy the new content which you can and i i enjoy it too but i think it's definitely always going to be that nostalgic tide that keeps you there it's like an anchor they tie nostalgia to an anchor they tie it to the foot of charizard and they drop it (laughs) and you're just there for the ride you know anything else you see along the way is cool And nothing ever really replaces that original experience with Pokemon Red or the cards when you were in kindergarten trading them at recess. Nothing truly replaces that, but there are so many things that kind of gets you close to that feeling or a reminder of that feeling. It keeps drawing you back in for more. So to kind of explain how my resurgence has come in. I've kind of had a few waves of it really the first wave was in college when I got back into collecting Pokemon cards and a little bit of the Pokemon games not too much but once once I think it was around Pokemon X and Y came out that's when I was kind of like you know it's in 3d now I want to see some of my favorite Pokemon in 3d I want to see how how that feels how that plays and then I want to see what the new cards are like, too, because, you know, I used to collect them as a kid. You know, I go home over Thanksgiving break from college and look at my boxes and look, here's all my old Pokemon cards. You know, like, I, this is awesome. This reminds me of when I was a kid. I can't believe I still have some of these, you know, and to find out some of them are actually worth a little bit of money doesn't hurt either. So to bring that all back in and, and to, be, to be able to say... You know, I felt like a kid again in college, that was cool. But then, you know, college kind of ramped up and I was more like, oh, I gotta worry about a career. I don't have time for Pokemon or kids things, you know? And I really, even in college, I felt like I may be a bit too old for this. But then, you know, when Pokemon Go came out in 2016, it's like, it's not just for kids, you know? They made Pokemon Go to appeal to those adult fans that were missing from the franchise because they were quote-unquote too old now it made it so it was cool to play pokemon as an adult again to go and and battle at gyms or to walk across the street and you see somebody that's either your age maybe even older playing pokemon go and you're you just you you don't say anything to each other really, but you lock eyes you're like hey man you're an adult i'm an adult you know it's cool to play pokemon right (laughs) and That was, the, I don't know, the nostalgic pull-in of that and getting getting those feelings all over again. But then really, yeah, even when Pokemon Go came out, I kind of came back in. I was like, yeah, I want some more of the games and stuff. But I really didn't get into it as much as I could have. But when they announced Pokemon Sword and Shield, I was like, I have to buy a Nintendo Switch. I want to see it on a console. And I know they had made Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. But from what I had seen, I'm like, these aren't really the Pokemon games that I'd want. But seeing Pokemon Sword and Shield announced, I was like, you know what? Let me get in there and see what I've been missing. So that was like, I bought that those games. I bought a 2DS and bought some of the older games just to go through them and see what I had missed out on that I didn't even get a chance to do in college, especially after graduating and working a full-time job and being able to have a little bit of spending money to do this kind of stuff. And then down the line, just playing the games being in being able to enjoy that again and then turning around and seeing that the they came out with cards for pokemon sword and shield and i'm like well you know what i used to get the cards as a kid and i still have some of my old cards not as many but to be able to say you know i have the cards from the game that i played on the day it released i don't know there's this weird tie-in for me for whether it's nostalgic or not to be like oh i had pokemon red and i had all the pokemon cards of the pokemon on pokemon red you know when you were a kid turn around and say that now with sword and shield, like that's kind of got me back into that and now it's just like i'm all about it i'm following pokemon news i'm playing you know more games than i ever thought i did i'm making content on youtube i have a pokemon podcast all this because this nostalgia has tied everything together for me into a nice little bundle and put it out there but it can't be just nostalgia right why why else would Pokemon be appealing? It can't be just the nostalgic side of things. Well, let's look at some of the numbers of the franchise. And by numbers, I mean monetary gains from the franchise. It is estimated that Pokemon is the wealthiest, highest-earning franchise in the entire world. Not the highest-earning franchise in Japan. Not the highest-earning franchise in just the U.S., or in a few countries, but in the entire world. And by franchise, I mean, you're talking Pokemon is a franchise, Star Wars is a franchise, Marvel is a franchise. These are all companies that are known for having content around their unique products. You know, Marvel being um, comics and superheroes and stuff like that. Um, Star Wars being, you know, Star Wars, <laughs> and Pokemon being these collectible Pocket Monsters that you can battle with, and they don't, yeah, in some canon, of course, they quote unquote die, but they don't die. They don't ever leave you. They're your, they're your best friends. You grow them, you train them, and they're your pals forever, whatever you know. But they are the highest grossing franchise in the world, second or first above like hello kitty is the second apparently from what i looked up and this was just a quick search who knows how much of these numbers are true but pokemon right now is worth about 95 to 100 billion dollars billion absolutely mind-blowing money okay um that's just so much money to be worth their licensed merchandise is their biggest draw for money and that is to the tune of $67.145 billion Their licensed merchandise Things like shirts Things like um, you, you know I don't think the cards No the cards don't count in that They have a separate number for that But $67 billion of shirts You know plush animals uh, the, Wherever their logo is plastered uh, Anything like that It's $67 billion Is their largest drawing? from merchandise and that's not even something i really get into you know maybe besides like a few funko pops of pokemon like they have toys of all kinds they have clothing of all kinds you can if you go to any store just about any store in the kids section especially excuse me you should be able to find pokemon shirts or anything like that their second biggest draw is of course the video games $19.53 19.53 billion dollars of their revenue comes from video games. 19.5 billion, almost 20 billion dollars of Pokemon's total value comes from the video games. And we're talking from Pokemon Red all the way up to Pokemon Sword and Shield. Everything in between. There's loads of spin-off games that they get revenue from there's pokemon go of course pokemon go itself is made three billion dollars last year it was something like three billion dollars or we got hit the point of earning three billion dollars last year it's one or the other anyways pokemon go has made billions of dollars on top of their other video games making billions of dollars it is absolutely nuts okay then you have the card game coming in third for 12.13 billion dollars have been spent on pokemon cards and that is probably the money that goes direct to nintendo direct to the pokemon company that's not money that includes if you have a first edition base at charizard in a perfect condition that sells on the auction market on ebay for a hundred thousand dollars i that money doesn't go to the nintendo company or to nintendo or to the pokemon company it goes to that person selling it and that card somebody only spent four dollars on it back in the 90s (laughs) you know unless they bought a a pack resale from somebody recently you know somebody originally got that pack from somewhere for at most four dollars most likely back in the late 90s it's absolutely crazy that they're almost a hundred billion dollars there because really the rest of it is totals to less than three billion about which comes from their box office movies which I feel like they don't release them as widespread as they as the first two or three movies that came out. The manga magazines and the manga volumes um, are by far their lowest earning the manga magazines earned 1.4 billion but their volumes have only earned 72 million. And then home entertainment uh, Which would be video, VCR tapes, DVDs Whatever Pokemon that would be made um, As well So that's about $863 million of their revenue But it's absolutely When you think that Pokemon Is the most valuable franchise in the world It's because all these things Are kind of the perfect storm To be the perfect franchise And while there are a lot of flaws in Pokemon Yes, between designs uh, the, you know, lack of real innovation in the games at times, uh, you know, lack and in real innovation of the TV show at times, um, lack of real innovation in the card game sometimes. The, even though they have these struggles, you have the show. You have the licensed merchandise that shows off your favorite Pokemon. You have the video games that lets you play with your favorite Pokemon and experience growing with them in a game. You have the card game that gives you that experience of having something collectible and to be competitive with other people with Um, because it's not they don't make money just off of the people that collect cards they make money off of people that get the cards to actually play their tcg game their trading card game and you have the movies and you have the anime style manga comic things like graphic novels whatever you want to call them you had this perfect storm of they have anything in pokemon that you want and it's really the marketing of it when it all comes down to it it's when they market pokemon they don't just market a game they market everything when they make a game they make merchandise for the game they make cards that go with the game they update the show to match the region or whatever is shown off and all the pokemon that show off in the games and really, yes, is it the games that drive everything or the car game? you could argue the car game or the show or whatever drives everything, but it's all one perfect concoction of stuff. And when it's the highest earning franchise, it's it's that for a reason. It's because it's probably one of the most marketed franchises out there. One of the most recognizable, especially in terms of the nostalgia of being able to say when I grew up, I knew what Pokemon was having that perfect storm of everything kind of makes it like, if you aren't a part of it, you feel like you're missing out on it. Um, I think one of the bigger things, the things that really gets me into the card collecting part of it especially is how many cards did I have when I was a kid that are now worth a potential small fortune, like thousands of dollars if I had kept them in good condition and I just either traded them away or I sold them or whatever and now they're worth loads of money and the weird thing about pokemon cards is they don't go down in value not really um you might see a few ones here and there that are exceptions to that but if you get any kind of charizard card after five to ten years the value just jumps immensely and even new charizard cards are so expensive the newest charizard v max card that came out in the darkness of blaze tcg set for pokemon last month ungraded at least usually sells or is being asked for a hundred dollars to get the card rated is probably several hundreds to a thousand dollars if not more it's crazy how a one piece of cardboard can be worth that much money and it almost as if you're investing you're investing in each pokemon pack to try to get this card that's worth a lot more money because if you were to technically sell it you could buy a lot more packs and you know it's a good ROI a good return on investment that's really what any investment you would want would have right a good ROI a good return on that investment and pokemon cards can sometimes be that now again i still think and i argued this a couple episodes ago on this podcast that pokemon cards could maybe potentially be considered gambling but sometimes it can also be considered an investment it depends on how you do it you know there's so many facets to it, and that's just the cards. You know, the games can be that like that too. Um, I have a local retro gaming shop, okay, and they sell old games, of course. And something that's always hard to find are some of the older Pokemon games. Well, last month I went in and they had Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Now, about a year and a half to two years ago, I bought Pokemon Soul Silver for about forty-five dollars at a GameStop. When I looked on eBay recently, especially during this pandemic and all that, the price of the cartridge has jumped up to a working one on eBay is usually around $100. This retro game store was selling it for about 80. The game was like $30 or $40 when it came out 10 years ago. The game was so like I talked to the clerk and the clerk was like, "Yeah, you know, it was they didn't expect Soul Silver and Heart Gold to be very popular." or as popular um, as the other Gen 4 games or whatever, so they made a limited supply, essentially. They didn't print, they didn't make as many cartridges as they probably could have, because they didn't think it was gonna sell as well. And it sold decent, but it didn't, you know, it didn't sell amazing, but the thing is, people love that nostalgic feeling now that didn't get to play it, or, like, they've played the original Generation 2 games, but they wanna see what the updated ones were like, which is why I wanted to get one and it just drives the price up so now even your pokemon games can be worth gold because they're so sought after because they don't make those hard cartridges anymore and you can't buy a digital version of all of them you know and it's not even the same feeling like if you want to play pokemon red the original one yeah you can spend ten dollars which is not a lot of money and get the digital version on your nintendo 2 or 3ds but to have an original Game Boy Color and slip that Pokemon Red cartridge in and turn it on and hear bring that thing, that kind of desire is still out there. And then there's also people who just collect the stuff, you know, if it's in good condition, they're just going to collect it, put it in a little plastic case and show it off, you know, it's it's so much more than just being a fan now where you're just like, OK, I'm going to buy the current cards. I'm going to buy only the current games and the current merch or whatever and not really be tied to it. It's once you're once you're in you're kind of full in and i think again wrap this all up it all ties back to the nostalgic feeling of when you were a kid you could have this imaginary friend pet thing that has cool attacks and abilities and you could battle them in a game where you could get the cards and trade them and be more competitive with that and you say i have my favorite nido king card i had nido king in the game nido king had this cool appearance on the show nido king's in the movie at this one part or whatever Nidoking is my all time favorite and then somebody else is like no Charizard's my all time favorite he's on my shirt I have the plush I have the card I have them in the games I have them everywhere and that all boils up into I'm 26 years old now and I can actually afford to buy more stuff so now I have Charizard cards I have Charizards in all my games and I have whatever I want because he's my favorite and it's a Pokemon and I wish it was absolutely real that's the pull behind it people Fans of the franchise want it to be real so bad they hold on to any part of it that they can. In my opinion, or at least a lot of us do. Anyways, thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Live from the Pokemon Lab. Next week we will have another episode, hopefully on time. This time, um, until then, if you want to talk to me about Pokemon on Twitter, is the best way to do it at the Squatch TV. Otherwise, you can find me on YouTube uh, under the name Professor Squatch and on all of your podcast listening platforms. So until next time, trainers, this is Professor Squatch.